Welcome in to episode 15 of the Bluest Tape. I'm Harvey Couch alongside Jeff Kolath. And happy 4th of July. It is Independence Day if you're listening to this the day it comes out. If it's not, then it's someday after that. But uh, we are going to celebrate the birth of our country this week, right? Yeah, I, I really can't think of a better way to spend your uh, Independence Day than with the bluest tape and a cocktail and a red cup, uh, red solo cup, somewhere, <laughs> preferably on a boat. I think I feel like it would be an appropriate somewhere way to outdoors. Uh, somewhere outdoors. Some open f- open fire, either you know a grill or fireworks, mm-hmm. something. Just be careful. Maybe next year we can uh, try to get ourselves lined up to do some live. Uh, Fireworks soundtracking for one of our uh, hometowns, for one of our municipalities, where we can uh, sync widespread panic to, you know, fireworks and sky explosions and things. Uh, I'm guessing you might have a better shot in Memphis <laughs> than I do here in Midway, Kentucky. Very forward thinking here. We actually, it is a pretty forward thinking little community, a uh, little little diamond in the rough here. Um, so anyway, we're going to be looking at, uh, at shows performed on the 4th of July. And uh, there, there are a handful. They, they skipped a few years, but um, we had some stuff to work with and, uh, and made a few choices. So we're really running the gamut here. We're going to start uh, in 1990 and go all the way through 2001 and uh, hit a few different spots along the way. So um, also, not only the birth of our country, was the 4th of July, the birth of a member of the band. Yeah, Sonny's birthday, uh, July 4th. And uh, Sonny's going to be a senior citizen this year, 65, right? <laughs> Sorry, Sonny. I didn't, don't, don't mean to Congrats. Yeah, share that with everybody if it's not known, but that's, that's impressive. Uh, and happy birthday to you. Uh, Gary makes mention of it uh, in one of the in one of the sessions we're going to be playing here in a little bit, but um, where does, where does 4th of July rank for you in, you know, the pantheon of, of holidays, national holidays? It's uh it's changed. I think over the years, obviously it was a uh, day to I feel like growing up, we were probably either at some municipal fireworks show or a racetrack somewhere. Um, and then as I've gotten older, now it's in sort of full-on people shooting fireworks around my house. Please don't land on my roof and start my house on fire. <laughs> so it's not, which is a little bit lower on the spectrum than get off my lawn. But it's still, you know, it's, it's still It's right like one step away. One yeah. step away. Um, does the boy get into the, to the fireworks? Yeah, actually, our neighborhood here, um, we moved in on the 4th of July last year, and they had a fire truck and a parade and, like, the whole to-do and then fireworks and stuff. So um, it's a pretty nice little setup they do. And that's kind of all the way throughout, throughout the city. There's sort of little neighborhood get-togethers and things. So, you know, again, it's a good good time to sit outside with a beverage, grill some food, and, uh, you know, 
light off some light off some illegal illegal fireworks um and in in state of tennessee people tend to do a pretty good job of that i would say what about you what is what does the fourth of july mean to you yeah i mean it's uh i enjoy the fourth of july we used to go to um the family kind of has a reunion uh my dad's family in arkansas every fourth of july at the lake and um so when I was growing up, that was something we did about every other year. And, um, it's, it's pretty far for us to go. So we don't go every year, but that's, that was always fun. So that sort of has a special place in my memory. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's the middle of summer sort of, you know, you're not, uh, it's just, uh, it's a good time of the year as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah. so yeah, I like fourth. And well, and for me, two of the, I've two of the shows we're going to talk about tonight for at least two years. Widespread panic meant, uh, was was part of my Fourth of July, at least my Fourth of July weekend, because I seem to have seen a bunch of shows around the Fourth um, while I was actively seeing the band, which I which is interesting. A couple three times. Yeah. So. No, and that always helps. I mean, I, you know, I think that Halloween always sort of has a special place, you know, because I spent so many of those, uh, with the band in New Year's too. So, um, they have a little different, uh, different tinge now as a parent, mm-hmm. but still, um, they're fun. So one of the things you talked about being outside for the fourth, that's one of the, the recurring themes we're going to have during this week's show. Is it all, well, not all of these shows, but four of the five that we'll be covering were, were outdoor shows. So they obviously enjoyed, uh, just like everybody does playing, you know, being outside on a 4th of July. So, um, we're going to start things off, uh, at a stadium place in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, an event that was called the 4th of July explosion, uh, with the, with the letter X. And, um, also appearing, Left Exit, Archetypes, and Indecision. So uh, that was, I'm sure that was a, a good a good day had by all in Columbia, South Carolina. But uh, this is 1990, the 4th of July. And um, so uh, we're going to play uh, a selection. There's a one-set show, and uh, so this is about halfway through uh, the one set uh, has a really good um, JB-ism to kick things off. And then uh, you'll hear some sort of popping throughout uh, the song. And those are fireworks going off. And it kind of seems like the band's playing off it a little bit. So um, we will let them take it away. There's yet another song about freedom. Freedom of power tools. Good stuff. 
Alright, that was Widespread Panic at Stadium Place in Columbia, South Carolina on the 4th of July in uh, 1990 with Love Tractor. And Widespread Panic apparently had a pretty good following in Columbia, South Carolina in 1990. They played in, in Columbia five times, including four times between June and September of that year. So but almost, t- almost taking up residency um, there. And also, interestingly, only one of those times is when school would have been in session. So it must have been one of, obviously it was one of their more popular places to go. Not a too far of a drive from Athens, but um, it sounded like the crowd was pretty, pretty good sized and pretty active at this show uh, on the 4th of July too. Yeah, no, it definitely seemed like people were having a good time and, you know, um, having a, a four band bill makes, you know, by the time you get to the end, you're, you know, pretty well lathered up. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I think that helps things, but, um, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think that, uh, that love tractor would be a, uh, you know, a 4th of July type song, but, but apparently, uh, according to JB, it's a song about freedom. So, uh, I thought that was pretty fitting uh, for our theme this week. So, um, so anyway, um, that that's really it. And it's, I think it's also kind of neat to just sort of check in with different um, eras of the, you know, different sort of moments in the history of the band, like that we wouldn't necessarily like spend an entire episode talking about 1990 widespread panic, but it is kind of cool to hear them every once in a while, just sort of check in, see where they're at uh, early on. It's a, I mean, it's an interesting year. Um, and just looking at the set list, I mean, they played, I mean, they, they were still playing, obviously, like they do now, like they always have. They were playing cover songs. They played a ton. They had a ton of originals by 1990 where they could fill up two sets. With- they sort of moved on from like the dead covers and yes, you know, sort absolutely. of out, out, out there, you know, sort of bar, you know, frat party type covers. And they were mostly playing originals. Uh, so, but they hadn't, I guess, that, so they'd released. Um, Space Wrangler, obviously. When was Mom's Kitchen? Is that like early '91, maybe? Yeah, yeah, '91. Okay, so so they hadn't quite had that big Capricorn push, you know. So they're still sort of feeling their way with that. But uh, but yeah, it's an interesting interesting time. The shows are pretty good, you know. And again, I think you made a key you made the key sort of observation there is that they're no longer just a regular old cover band at that point. You know, they're, yes, they're still doing a couple, three things, but for the most part, they're really pushing their originals and try to play them as much as possible. So yeah, the Wom's Kitchen doesn't come out until July of 91. So they're really using this time to kind of develop their own sound and develop those originals, which makes for some interesting stuff. And also you see songs that they played in 1990 that don't show up after 1990, like Sun Keep and Snorkel Search and some of those other random things that, you know, people hold out hope that they'll show up at some point. Right. And the encore from this show was the, uh, the earth will swallow you into Conrad. So <laughs> obviously that was a song a song that was on the shelf for a long time before it came back in, uh, in a one. Um, but yeah, no, like, I guess, you know, benefactor dog song, those types of the songs were, were showing up back then. Yeah. Um, and this is the, this is the five piece, right? So this is, um, a, a, Pre T. Lavitz. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So just sort of, a, you know, just interesting spot uh, in the band's development. So um, we will skip ahead two years to uh, the summer of 1992. We'll join the band as they perform just a little bit further north up the coast at uh, Browns Island Park uh, in Richmond, Virginia. And um, th- a, this is a another four-band bill, slightly higher tier. Um, <laughs> so uh, Toots and the Maydolls, Roger McGuinn, and the Dave Matthews Band opened this show uh, in Richmond, Virginia, which is... I mean, that's a little surprising, I would think. I mean, I don't know, Dave Matthews hadn't quite, he didn't really start getting kind of big until 1993, even on the college scene, but I would have thought in Richmond, Virginia, that he might have been, but I guess they're probably not at, not at panics level in the summer of 92 yet, so... Yeah, and the fact that Roger McGuinn was was, was the fact Roger McGuinn was on the bill is sort of interesting to me, but the fact that he opened for, you know widespread panic in 1992 is also kind of kind of interesting as well so you know they browns island is the panic played there a few times um the show that they played in 95 is one that fall that september 95 stuff is really good but that's always uh Mm -hmm. um, that show particularly stands out well and what else is interesting if you look at the uh at the map of the uh you know the the summer 92 tour is uh they play six shows in in florida and then valdosta and then uh playing charlottesville virginia and then the show in richmond virginia and then nags head north carolina and then they start the horde tour uh up in maine uh july 9th in 92 so they they meet up with um fish and aquarium rescue unit and blues traveler and spin doctors i guess was that the original uh first first leg of that summer 92 uh horde tour so um this is uh you know they were working their way up the east coast to get to meet up with those guys up north so um i don't know that i want to add any color to this we'll just sort of let the let the music go and then we'll come back and talk about it but this is a this is a one set show uh from july 4th 1992 uh there's a pigeons opener and then we'll pick things up right after that.
Alright, widespread panic at Browns Island Park, Richmond, Virginia, 4th of July, 1992. Uh, panic headlining a four-band four bill. Um, and that was holding Oversoul into rock. And a uh, pretty solid uh, combination there. Nice segue between the two songs and uh, some interesting conversation uh, during during this show, too. Yeah, great, great uh, Gary speak after this. Which I'm wondering, they must have had some sort of technical, you know, thing where he had to come out on stage, uh, or maybe, I don't, you know, he 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 sort of thanks uh, Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, and then wishes Sonny happy birthday. So maybe they like brought a cake out for Sonny at that point. I'm not sure really what was what was going on, but um, I thought that was sort of a, a festive moment. Uh, for Fourth of July time, but um, it was cool to see to hear rather. Um, Holden Oversoul had, had been around for a little while, uh, but it's still sort of short and concise here. But you're starting to see the sort of flash of um, what it was to become a few years later when it kind of became a um, you know a vehicle to to jam into other songs, and that's what they do here, just on a much smaller scale. Um, and so I thought that was kind of neat. And then, um, again, we talked about, uh, I guess it was in the first Red Rocks episode, um, you know, when, when you have a, a rock, a rock with a engaged JB that they're much better. And I thought a lot of the rocks back then, 90, you know, like 91, 92, 93 rocks, uh, when JB really kind of goes after it with the slide, uh, those are some of my favorites. So I thought this was a really good one to include. So um, so we'll we'll move we'll move forward uh, in time and uh, we'll go to to Fourth of July, nineteen ninety seven, and this was a show that you were at. It w- I was, and give uh, give credit to the band and their booking for getting smarter, booking shows on the Fourth of July, getting out of the South and going north. And uh, if you're going to do an outdoor show, do it in the Midwest or, or out West, but um, on the 4th of July. But yes, the infamous two-night stand at Summerfest in 1997. And Panic has played at Summerfest a handful of times. Uh, first time was in 95 and then 97 and 98, 2001 and, and, um, and 2002, actually. The, that was the first show after uh, Mikey departed the band. Um, that was okay. the night after the Cedar Rapids show, and George took over as the full-time guitarist. Mm-hmm. Um, but these shows are a little bit different because it was a two-night stand. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be pretty... That, yeah, so, I mean, that's got to be not a common thing, right? I mean, don't normally no, have multiple night runs. No, it wasn't. And, I mean, I think some other bands have done it since. But, you know, if you've been to summerfest it's down in the lake and the amphitheater is where the big shows are and then there's a ton of side stages and things and this is one of the side stages but it's one of the bigger ones and summerfest again summerfest is what it is some people think it's the greatest thing in the world some people just tolerate it i'm one of the falls that into the latter category if you can't tell by my tone of voice um but uh these shows were 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 interesting because of where they sort of fall in the summer tour um sort of right smack dab in the middle of 
sort of set for our sake. I didn't know, didn't really know that better, know better at the time, but basically setless dump <laughs> the two shows before right. in, in Omaha yeah. and Peoria, where they basically just turn everything on its head and do galleon and do what you like and just kissed and dirty business and maggot brain and, you know, no sugar and bowlegged over the course of those two shows. And then the fantastic shows they do at Myrtle beach after that. Um, and these shows are good. Um, the thing that will always stand out about these shows was I had seen the band back in the fall of 96 with some, with a group of a couple friends. And then this other group of friends that I had, had not seen them yet. So this, I will always remember a handful of people that I, that I was close with in college. This is the first time they saw the band. And, um, you know, it's always fun to take, I'm sure a lot of, you know, we all have our experiences of taking people to see Panic for the first time. So I will always remember sort of everybody's reaction to, to the, to the show. And again, the thing that I always remember is how excited my, the, back then my friends used to get for drums because it was the thing that they had you just didn't see that you they know? recognized yeah. right <laughs> yes they recognized that was cool again and then you, eventually you, you grow you 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 take it for what it is but i will always remember that and then uh, just sort of weather was nice wasn't too hot right on the lake it can be pretty hot down there too but two solid shows um i wouldn't say anything remarkable happened in either of them but they're pretty good and this is sort of a a unique encore um, especially given the uh, the festival setting, so we'll turn it over to the boys and we'll we'll talk about it on the backside. For all the little babies that are still here.
That was Widespread Panic at the Miller Oasis. It's the Summerfest Grounds in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, July 4th, 1997. The encore from the first night of a two-night stand. Uh, Dream Song into Blackout Blues. And Dream Song is such an interesting choice for a festival crowd, especially that festival crowd, and especially at that time of the night. That time of the night. but uh, but an interesting selection by the band for sure. Sort of a, a yin and yang situation. <laughs> uh, I guess you know there were probably a handful of folks that were there that were you know not upright at that point. So maybe they're telling them good night, and and then the rest of the folks were you know on the verge of blackout, and so that made sense for for you know put that out there. So. Uh, yeah, I just I thought this was a great. I love the JBism, and then um, you know, it was, uh, Blackout Blues sort of made sense for the for the end of the day at a at a summer fest. But um, these are you know, I mean, looking back on it, it's I mean, it's a nice set. It's a, it's a really pretty good festival set. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they've got some some big big hitters and uh, some good good dance dancing songs and. Um, I love the the next night you got a, you have an appearance from uh from Fred LeBlanc from uh, Cowboy Mouth. Were they like headlining or were they just you know? I think they play Summerfest every year. I think that's like one of their big things. Yeah, they are Summerfest. Summerfest to be Cowboy Mouth. Yeah, God, and, that um, was twenty years ago. Unbelievable. If you're wondering, we we put out uh, before. Uh, our episode zero of this podcast was uh, was titled "Tuning," and it was the encore from the night after this, the, the July fifth show, the driving disco, driving breathing slow. So, I don't think we identified it. So, if anybody was wondering what that show was or what that segment was from, if they hadn't already figured it out, uh, it was from the night after this. So now we'll move three years in the future and indoors to uh, the Warfield uh, in San Francisco. Um, 
it was the 4th of July in 2000, which was actually the fourth night of a four-night run uh, ending, um, culminating with this three-set show uh, on the 4th of July in 2000. And I was trying to sort of wreck my brain as to whether that was like or did we know that that was going to be a three set show or was that sort of a surprise for the people there? I mean, I feel like that was a bit of a surprise. I mean, three set shows were pretty yeah. unprecedented at that it was time. Pretty much all, yeah. I mean, it was new, new year's. year's. I mean, it was only new year's for the only time you would see that, but obviously playing a four night run at the Warfield kind of, had, you know, that was not a normal thing either. So, but, uh, I mean, just in, in it really the beginning, Summer night, summer two thousand is a pretty good tour, but this is sort of the high, kind of the high water mark. Just four really great nights um, from Panic um, after a really solid Las Vegas run too, um, and a pretty good Red Rocks run, which we talked about last week. So it, um, but yeah, yeah, this is a this is a good show, kind of front to back. Obviously, the fourth is more known for. Uh, Yorma Kaukonen sitting in on the on, on the third set with uh, Bowlegged and Genesis, and then the sitting in on um, Chile in one kind favor in the encore. But this is a good show, and 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 you picked the, uh, the 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 selection from 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 this show, didn't you, Harvey? I did, yeah. And I mean, it was pretty hard because I listened to this. You know, and this is a show that I come back to pretty regularly. I mean, I really like it because it it sort of has has everything, you know. Um, first set's pretty mellow and then the second set gets things going and then obviously the third set is um, you know pretty loud from front to back and um, but so I was just listening to it to see if anything kind of jumped out at me as being you know uh, I was assuming that I would include either the you know I would probably include one of the Yorma segments uh, or maybe you know something from the first set with John Keane or uh, I got to this point. I hadn't even actually thought of the fact that Christmas Katie was a Fourth of July song. I mean, was that something that? I mean, I guess I just never identified as that. Um, but obviously, it's got that in the lyric, and he um, got a pretty good crowd reaction uh, during this performance. So this is the end of the second set, um, and um, so we'll just we'll let it roll.
So that is the 4th of July in the year 2000 from the Warfield Theater, the end of the second set, Christmas Katie, uh, the only 4th of July song from, you know, the only 4th of July original uh, from the from the band's uh, library uh, and going into Radio Child to close out the second set. And uh, it was kind of cool to hear the, the crowd reaction after Radio Child when JV says, I'll be right back. You know, that was sort of the confirmation that uh, this is a three-set show. And um, we're, we've you know got another hour and a half or two hours of music to come. So uh, I thought that was kind of a neat, neat moment. Yeah, and then we're, you know, it, it's really, the show's really built almost like a New Year's show, like you had mentioned before, the first set's pretty low-key, second set sort of builds, and the third set is just the the heat, and obviously that's when Yorma shows up, and I love the, the post-drums on this show, the four-cornered machine, Little Kin Cream Puff is just, is is great, and just sort of some surpri- surprises post-drums, um, which, are, which are always fun, and um, yeah. kind of leads and segues nicely into with the four cornered into the selection we're going to talk about next. Um, yeah. jumping for jumping forward one year, as you say, into the future, um, headed back up North to Harmony Park in, uh, Geneva, Minnesota. And panic has played there, played there twice. They play their back to back summers, summer 2000, summer 2001. And for those of you that haven't been to Harmony Park, it's kind of a big, big old flat grassy area um, out in the middle of nowhere and surrounded by some trees. And the stage setup is really pretty awesome. Um, very well done. Great place to be. Um, definitely one of those places where we weren't, the couple of times that we were there, we kind of hung out in the back and brought blankets and sat on the ground and sort of just relaxed. Um, and it was it, perfect. I mean, the weather was pretty perfect the only thing having to deal with uh, the summer in minnesota are enormous mosquitoes so (laughs) obviously you always hope a breeze comes up so that they they blow around and they can't they can't find you too easily but this was um another both shows that they did up at harmony park were pretty good um had their highlights um for sure but this one especially um has some pretty great moments both in the first set and the second set and uh we're we're going to play a selection from the second set right now
That was Independence Day, July 4th, 2001, from the Harmony Park Music Garden in Geneva, Minnesota, coming out of drums with a America the Beautiful Jam into Four Cornered Room into Heathen back into Four Cornered Room. And um, I'm guessing that, did that qualify as a, um, was that a checkbox for you as a as an attendee of the show? Like, that, I'll take that. That's pretty. The, the four cornered room, heathen four cornered room. That that works. That was worth. The, they made it. They made it worth the trip. That made it worth the trip. It made it worth the camping. Um, actually, yeah. Um, <laughs> as if but, the, like uh, as if the first set schoolgirl and second set one con favor didn't didn't do the trick. Yeah. No. It's that that part was pretty incredible. And again. Um, I think at that time, Heathen was probably the biggest, was the biggest sort of, um, or the longest uh, duration of a, of a song that they had brought back. It's what, 1,688 shows. It's the first time they yeah, had played it since, since 88. So I think at that time, that was the biggest sort of return. Obviously, they've surpassed that since with some of the stuff they've played um, with, over the last decade with Jimmy in the band. But um mm-hmm. yeah totally surprising thing to just show up in the middle of uh that at, at at that show particularly um for again talking about dream song being kind of an odd choice for the 97 Summerfest show four cornered room isn't necessarily a song you would expect to hear outside on the 4th of July in the middle of a field in Minnesota but right an, the- an open field on the 4th of July but i mean you know the 4th of July is the 4th day of the month and you know four cornered room there's four corners in a room i mean that that's got to be a connection of some sort right yeah you no? yeah you just, you're not going to follow me down that wormhole. I mean, I will. I think you're you're you're, you're taking it very literal, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, I thought uh, you know the the America the beautiful jam was was pretty cool. Well, I mean, it's just really just JoJo kind of playing the theme, you know. And uh, only only Watch Red Panic would play, you know a um, you know a, a, a you know a lowercase national anthem with uh, a didgeridoo playing behind it. <laughs> yeah. So um, that, I thought that was pretty neat. And then I, you know, I mean, I, I guess I was trying to think of like what the, um, what the impetus for bringing a song like heathen back was. And, and I don't know if there was, you know, if um, any news event, going on or something but then the only thing that I could think of is that you know I mean some of the lyrics um to that song you know I mean you're talking about um fallen fighters and things like that and maybe that you know maybe they thought of that as a uh, you know an independence day type song yeah maybe yeah that was a uh good show and a nice little run too at the beginning of um summer 2001 or July 2001 and uh, yeah, I wish that they would, wish they would go back and play Harmony Park again because I think they the band really seemed to do it. Like I said, both shows they played there were really fantastic, and hopefully they will go back sometime. And I know that your experience was topped off um, by the encore, the old Joe Redbeans encore, really sent you home with a smile on your face. I think that was one of the times when I probably could forgive the band for an old Joe Red Beans encore after <laughs> after 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 doing what they did in the second set and and again like that the what 
pre-drums in the in the second set's really strong too but yes that was a definite i think we we should we won't do a show of sort of what did you call them harvey what kind of encores do you call them flip the bird encores <laughs> we won't do a show about those but there's definitely a handful of those in, in, in panic's history and i think we've all got stories about them but I think that would be a good, that would be a good, uh, that would be a good theme. Just, good theme. you know, find the worst possible encores. <laughs> I, I think my one song, One Arm Steve encore from uh, Cincinnati 2000 has got to be up there. That's pretty good. That I think that, that might take it. Um, one song encores aren't necessarily bad, but definitely have to pick a song that, uh, that works. Longer than four minutes helps. Longer than four minutes. Uh, so we talked last week about your experience camping in uh, in Colorado. You said you had camped like three times in your life, with mm-hmm. each each one getting progressively worse. So where so this was one of those times, right? I think this was the last time that I camped. Um, okay. And uh, was there were there were there any were there any hard sided pieces of luggage involved? No, I was much better prepared for this experience. Um, I feel okay. like what I was not quite ready for was the notion of, um, shall we say, rest and relaxation at a widespread panic campground on the Fourth of July. So I'll just leave it at that. Was um, was there a a drum circle involved, perhaps? <laughs> I think you could list 10 things right now. And I would say that they were probably all involved in, uh, <laughs> they were probably all occurring. You weren't interested in any of them. Drum circle. Definitely not. But, you know, again, I think it was one of those times when, as one of the things I do miss about going to shows is that sort of collective feeling that everybody has when they leave the show. And this is always mm-hmm. special when you're at indoor shows, especially small venue shows where people just start whooping and hooting and hollering at the end of a show. Um, yeah, yeah. And I always really like that. And I feel like this was just sort of the extension of that because it was okay to have fireworks because it was the 4th of July. So there was a lot of, uh, a lot of celebration of America happening at, at that campground that night. So it was, a, it was, a, it was, it was, it was an interesting time. That's for sure. It was that a uh, is there a word for the that would have been like the two hundred twenty fifth anniversary? Is that like the is there a word for that like the sesquicentennial or something? There is a Do word you know? for it, but you know okay. you could you could have given me some prep ahead of time and I could have looked it up. Um, As a, I figured that was something that you would have known. Um, I'm just looking up to see. It is the by Bicenquagenary. It's the bicenquagenary. Bicen, no, it's the bicenqua. Bicenquasquagenary. I figured there would be a quasqui in there somewhere. Or are you are you with me, or is that? Is that no, 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 no. Quasquicentennial is okay. one hundred and twenty. is one hundred and twenty-five. So. See, this is why I asked you this question, because I knew that you would know something <laughs> random like that. So it is the bisenquasquigenary. Huh, interesting. I don't know why you didn't know that off the top of your head. I don't know. I failed. I failed. So then in, in 2026, it will be 250 years, and that will be the bisenquinquagenary. 
quaternary. This is the type of information you get at the bluest tape that you're just not going to find in every other widespread panic podcast. Uh, All right. So that is the last piece of music that we have this week. Um, appreciate everybody's uh, time to join us. And, you know, like every week, tell your friends, uh, subscribe, review, rate the show on uh, iTunes so other people can find out about it. Um, we've also added, if you want to help support the podcast, uh, if you go to bluesttape.com, uh, at the top of the page, there's a picture of uh, Michael Hazard's left hand bending strings right below that there's a bunch of icons that's where you can subscribe to the podcast that's where you can follow us on twitter and facebook send us email and the last icon's a little dollar sign and if you click that you can uh you can donate a few dollars and it'll take you to a uh, a stripe you know, stripe handles all the payments so you know that it's on the up and up uh you know a dollar five dollars ten dollars whatever you can afford we would you know appreciate it it just helps sort of keep the lights on here to help pay for the hosting and um you know we don't have any advertisers or anything like that the music's free um you know but we just there's there's some small costs to to us keeping the lights on here and if you uh, can help us do that then uh we would appreciate it so um but With that said, I hope everybody uh, has a very happy and safe uh, holiday. And um, I don't know, you got anything else, Jeff? No, I think I'll just echo what you just said. Wish everybody a happy and and safe 4th of July. And thanks for listening. And again, continue to support all the great sites that help make this possible, like Panic Stream and uh, Everyday Companion. And obviously... Um, go see the band when they come when they when they come to your town. So they're still they're they're still doing great work. So hopefully, go everybody will go out and support them. Happy birthday, USA! Birthday USA, I love some fireworks. Uh, I love fireworks, I love fireworks. I love fireworks, I love fireworks, I love fireworks. Come on, I love fireworks, I love fireworks, I love fireworks.